You could be born with a healthy set of genes, but if you're not active, you're increasing your risk of getting dementia as much as if you were genetically predisposed. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 360. Today, we're talking about moving your body and healing your mind with Dr. Jennifer Heiss. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confidence. Hey, welcome back. I hope you're hanging in there. This is a summer time here, but it may be winter where you are. But welcome back. Listen, if you haven't done so yet, please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you get some value from this podcast, do me a quick favor. Please go over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. It just takes like 10 seconds and it makes such a big difference. I would really, really appreciate it. In just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down with Dr. Jennifer Heiss. She is an expert in brain health, associate professor and Canada research chair in brain health and aging in the Department of kinesiology at McMaster University. She directs the NeuroFit Lab, which has attracted over a million dollars in support for her research programs on the effects of exercise and brain health. Dr. Heise's award-winning research examines the effects of physical activity on brain function to promote mental health in cognition in young adults, older adults, individuals with Alzheimer's, and her book is called Move the Body, Heal the Mind. You know, I've struggled for a long time to find the right person to talk about exercise for this podcast because it's so important, yet it can be framed in, in such like shaming and terrible ways. So I love talking to Jennifer. I think you're gonna get so much out of her. She really takes this from a research point of view. And, and listen, you know, so many of us struggle to make time to exercise, but we talk about how exercise doesn't have to be vigorous, doesn't have to be time consuming, and she suggests ways even busy parents can make time for movement. And I want you to listen for some important takeaways, how moving is really a kickstarter to mindfulness, how physical activity contributes as much to dementia as genetics, inactivity, and contrary to popular belief, exercising later in the day does not disrupt sleep. And in fact, it can help reset our biological clocks. So there's so many good things here. Let this episode really, really inspire you. And join me at the table. Let's dive in as I talk to Dr. Jennifer Heiss. I just told you this, but I want to just let the listener know, like I've struggled to find someone to talk about exercise on the podcast, even though I know how good it is and like how, I mean, even in my own story, like how vital it is for my own, like mental health and well-being and all of those things. But, um, so I'm so excited to talk to you about your body, move your book, move the body, heal the mind. And you, you study the effects of physical activity on brain function. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, what, first of all, like kind of what got you into this? And then I'd really be interested to talk about a little bit about like some of the things that, you know, we are in a 
sedentary culture, right? And we, you know, we think, oh, we'll get some steps in or whatever, but like we need, anyway, this is a whole, let me just ask you a question. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited for this conversation too. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So what, what you got, what got you interested in connecting Mm -hmm. exercise and the brain function? Sure. Yeah. It's, it's a bit of a personal story actually. So, um, I was studying graduate school. I was studying neuroscience and trying to figure out how the brain represents us as people who we are. And it was in my late twenties and it became very clear to me that, you know, something wasn't quite right with my own mind. And I was struggling with some pretty severe anxiety and some intrusive thoughts that, turned out to be like symptoms of OCD. And so, sorry, my dog is like having a conniption. Let me just get her here. She's, uh, there she is, Cheerio. Hi, Cheerio. Oh, oh. <laughs> listeners, you'll have to go on the YouTube channel to see how cute Doggio is here. She's licking Jennifer's face now. <laughs> She's a therapy dog. We can edit this one out, but she is pretty cute. No, no, I think uh. we're keeping it. <laughs> she was like, okay, what are you doing? Okay, so yeah, so it, it was at the time, it was in my 20s and... Hey, baby, I'm going to put you down. (laughs) I was, uh, I was having a pretty rough time in grad school and, um, I went to the school physician and they recommended, um, antidepressants, which I was pretty reluctant to take at the time. And, uh, a friend recommended their rusty old road bike and, much to my amazement, the movement, the bike rides soothed my mind. And it really sparked a shift, not just in my personal life where, you know, prior to that point, I hadn't really been active. I was never an athlete. And so from that point forward, I really uh, shifted my personal life to include movement as my medicine in my daily life, but also a shift in my research. So from the fundamentals of neuroscience to really understanding how exercise changes the brain. And then uh, from there, I launched the NeuroFit Lab, where, as you mentioned, we study the effects of exercise on the brain. It's so fascinating. I mean, I, I that's a... That whole piece about that exercise is a huge piece in my own story too. Like when I was in high school, I was, you know, I had like all this conflict with my father at home. I was hanging out with kids who were, you know, like doing drugs and partying. I was partying. And one of the things that kind of started to turn me around from this was, a friend started running and she was like, we were both like smoking cigarettes and like stuff. And I was like, man, if she can do that, I can do that. And so I started running and I started running and, and I wasn't very good. I, you know, I just did like a little, I would like run two blocks, walk a block, run two blocks, walk a block. And then, but it ended up, the running ended up being this like precursor to a mindfulness practice for me where it really just like helped me to be like stronger, just, I just helped me to like, kind of start to make those choices that were healthier for myself and my life and do different things than I, than like kind of the, the sort of downward trajectory that a lot of my friends were going on. And, and was this like stabilizer and I still run. 
it's mm-hmm. like amazing how I, I call it kind of getting my yayas out. Like for me, yeah. like that, that anxiety, like that energy of that, getting mm-hmm. that out. Um, no yeah. offense to all Greek mothers out there. <laughs> 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 not, not that kind of yaya. <laughs> Yeah, I I hear you. Um, And actually, so I'm just getting back into running after the pandemic really kind of took the wind out of my sail, like, like literally. (laughs) And I had been sitting quite a lot. Um, The gyms were closed here. I'm up in Canada. And uh, that that was that affected me. So I kept running. But my like the imbalances in my gait really got exaggerated and then I fell and got oh. injured. So I'm just getting back to running and I'm doing this uh, run walk thing. And mm-hmm. I actually really love it. I might just like stick with that. So it's like, you know, really gradual, really about just like moving and feeling the movement. But mm-hmm. one thing I love about exercise is it does it's like a catalyst for mindfulness like you you're paying attention to your body you're paying attention to your breath you're in the moment especially when you're just getting back into it right Mm -hmm. it's like oh all these sensations are interesting and it brings you out of your head and right into your body and I just find that it just it really for me it, it it's a catalyst but the research also suggests that there's a strong association between people who are more physically active and people who are more mindful so they they do really go hand in hand well yeah i mean like a lot of mindfulness is proprioception right like that mm. sense of feeling in your body right and if we're just sedentary right we're and we're just kind of living out of our brains that's right we're not feeling into our our body as much, right? Like we're not feeling all those sensations and things like that. So yeah, I mean, I would assume there's a pretty strong link. That's cool that the research Mm -hmm. has shown that. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, you talk about, you know, some of the things that, you know, we have everything in our life is like made for us to be like just more comfortable and our society is just telling us to like be more and more comfortable. And like it used to, it's so interesting. I think about exercise, even though it has so many benefits, which I'm sure you could tell us so many more, but that it it used to be just part of life, right? Like it used to kind of like in Mm -hmm. a way, I think that, you know, my mindfulness in a way, like we, now we train our minds, right. And we know we should be training our bodies, but it used to be like that. Are we just moved as part of life? Like that was, we didn't have to have like exercise that was separate, right? Is that one of the reasons that it's just hard for people to exercise just because we're, we, you know, our survival mechanism is to conserve energy. Is this Mm -hmm. what's kind of going on with us? That's it. Yeah. We've, we've effectively engineered out movement from our day. You know, we have a car, we can drive to the grocery store and get our food. And the brain evolved at a, like a fundamentally different time when we had to expend a lot of energy to hunt and gather our food. And so you're right. The, uh, the brain evolved to conserve energy when it didn't have to use it for survival. And today, I mean, that's most of the time, right? We, we rarely have to move for survival purposes. And so the brain is designed to kind of keep us lazy, keep us energy conservative. And so it goes out of its way to avoid expending energy. So it sees voluntary exercise nowadays as an extravagant expense and it will protest like, 
do you even have time? Do you have energy to exercise? You, we've all heard this, right? <laughs> I mean, this is a this is a constant chatter in our head when we when we are thinking about exercising. How do we get off the couch and out the door, right? <laughs> and and that's a real thing. That's that is the brain to blame. So certainly not alone in that. And uh, but there, fortunately, there's some things we can do to sort of overcome that to kind of get past that inertia, the biological inertia that's sort of built in. And they're simple things like, first of all, you know, just sort of making a plan ahead of time. And this is, you know, for obvious reasons, this works because it you carve out the time to move and to have exercise in your life so that your calendar doesn't fill up with other appointments. But it also acts because when you when you detail out all the things that you're going to do like what are you going to do when where with whom and all the details are figured out ahead of time you don't need to make any decisions in the moment mm. and decisions like making decisions drains our willpower it drains our like brain power so that when we try to you know overcome that biological inertia which requires logic and rationality we have less to do it so if you plan ahead you save that brain power and it really it makes it a little bit easier to start moving well i, I mean we had uh, lisa feldman barrett on who's an expert in the brain and she talks about like the body budget so yeah, yeah. that would be using that willpower would be using that body budget. And then the body budget then goes to the exercise itself. Okay. So we want to plan it ahead. Anything else? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's sort of the fundamental, like, let's do that first, but then there's ways that you can kind of hack the brain to make exercising more enjoyable and more like the brain more willing to do it. So a few things you can do. One is really a fun trick it's um, just to convince the brain that resources are plenty or just remind the brain resources are plenty. It's this, um, this research is so funny. You take a sip of sugary drink and you swish it in your mouth and you don't even have to drink it. You could just spit it out. And this is enough, just, you know, the presence of carbohydrates in your mouth is enough to convince the lazy brain that resources are plenty and so oh it's like, okay, let's do this. And, and the exercise itself feels less effortful, especially at that beginning when it's hardest, wow. <laughs> which is super fun. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to try this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So even like a stick of gum would work, you know, put in a stick of gum, chew it up. <laughs> even like it's sugar-free like, gum? Yeah. Well, or the trick is sugar-free mm. The, the, it has to be real sugar. Okay, that's, that's that seems to be the research, probably. yeah. It probably had to be real sugar. <laughs> I'm gonna, uh, now I'm going to be going buying bubble yum. For bubble, like bubble. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, this is a health yeah, product for healthy. me now. <laughs> or, or, you know, just swish some kombucha in your mouth. That's probably enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, other things, if, if the sugar is sort of not a thing... Um, even just listening to music and maybe when you're working out, you prefer to listen to podcasts. So you could listen to music even before you're working out to kind of prime the brain, get it ready. And the reason why, if you're listening to your favorite music, this 
releases dopamine, even just listening to music. And this dopamine is going to stimulate the reward pathway. And it's going to start linking that rewarding feeling experience with exercise so that you're, you're going to be associating that with like some feel good feelings. Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcast right after this break. We are supported by Ginger Essential Oil. Listen, I'm all about using natural products. I really don't want to put any harmful chemicals in the air or on my body, around my kids or my pets or any of that. That's why I'm loving the ginger essential oil. Ginger, J-I-N-J-E-R, is a high quality, 100% natural essential oil made from ginger root. It's free of micro impurities and comes pre-mixed with carrier oils, making it safe to use directly on the skin, which I have used. I had like a, some arch issues, some plantar fasciitis, like some, you know, the fascia connective issue tissue stuff in my foot. And I've been using a massager with the ginger oil and it is, feels so good. Ginger has this amazing rejuvenating self-care kit. They have this lovely gua sha stone, incredible massage. I've been massaging it into my skin. It helps reduce swelling, reduce inflammation. It smells so good. And I've been using it. The rejuvenating self-care kit has this amazing little mini diffuser. And I use, I diffuse ginger in the office when I'm working to keep my mind fresh and open and healthy. And it's so much easier to use than any other essential oil because the bottle becomes a dropper cap. Oh my gosh, mind blown. It is so much easier. There's no mess. I'm already seeing the benefits from adding ginger's rejuvenating self-care kit to my routine. I'm just feeling more awake and alive with all the things life is bringing on, you know. But for any moms who are pregnant and breastfeeding, just make sure to check with your doctor before trying this amazing essential oil. Trust me, ginger essential oil has been a game changer. I know you're going to love it to do. And you really need to check out their rejuvenating self-care kit. Right now, you, my listener, you can get this special offer 20% off your first purchase. You have to visit my special URL. It's J-I-N-J-E-R, ginger, J-I-N-J-E-R dot U-S slash hunter. That's J-I-N-J-E-R dot U-S slash hunter. Don't miss out. Go to ginger with two J's dot U-S slash hunter to get 20% off your first purchase. Okay. Well, those are pretty easy. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's not that hard. Schedule it ahead of time. Swish some sugary <laughs> or just take a sip, I suppose. And then listen, listening to music. And there's, you talk about so many reasons. I mean, we kind of jump to like kind of the how to, mm-hmm. but there's so many reasons why we should be doing this and why we should be prioritizing this. You yeah. talked about your own story with mental health, mm-hmm. but there's, you know, there are a lot of reasons, you know, you talk about the that physical inactivity is a a big risk factor for um, dementia too, Mm -hmm. right? As well as other things. Can you tell us about some of the things like scare us, scare me a little. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The scary, I I think the scariest thing is there are only three degrees of separation between sitting too much and dementia. Uh, Yeah. And that seems like 
weird to think about, right? And midlife is the time when we need to think about this most. So um, not later. And the reason is when we sit for long periods of time, it starves the brain of the vital nutrients it needs. Less oxygenated blood flow. This causes the body to go into hibernation mode. It starts damaging the blood vessels that feed the brain. The brain cells starve. Then they break down. This can lead to things like vascular dementia, which makes it hard for us to focus and and concentrate, but also like perform, you know, decision, make decisions and perform uh, many activities of the day. And then eventually that could lead to Alzheimer's disease where it really affects our memory. So I, that to me is the scariest. And the, the thing that scares people the most is there's no drug that's going to cure. There's no drug that cures dementia. This is like, it, it really is something that we need to get ahead of. And mm. research from my lab shows that physical inactivity contributes to your dementia risk as much as your genetics. So oh, wow. you could be born with a healthy set of genes, but if you're not active, you're increasing your risk of getting dementia as much as if you were genetically predisposed, which, you know, that's in your hands, that's controllable. And so just by simply moving more, we can reduce our risk, which I think, you know, we can, we can spin it positive, like, cause that's mm-hmm. a really positive thing we can do. You know, it, it's scary, but we do have way more control over it than we think. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's an opportunity, right? I mean, I'm seeing so many, you know, it's interesting. My my uncle, my Auntie Barbara, she was a very, actually, she's a very sedentary person. She had an alcoholic, she died of dementia, but now his his second wife is now dealing with dementia too. Mm. And I'm just feel so sad for him. But that whole idea of is is scary for all of us, right? And and to to have this then opportunity to say to our family, to our children, to get ahead of a problem that might be put in their laps, right? Like mm-hmm. our health, right? Um, I'm thinking of my neighbor who is doesn't want to exercise, but is a big people pleaser. This could be a, a good yeah. In, well, and I think a lot of people they leave themselves last, right? Yeah, so they see exactly. it as like a selfish thing. Oh, I don't have. I got to do all these things for everybody else in my life, you know, and. I think that we need to we need to change that narrative because we can't we're not our best selves when we're not taking care of ourselves and we need to carve out that t- time for self-care for you know to get the ayas out or to get the stress out to to feel good about ourselves in our own skin and then we can be an incredible support and help to everyone else in our life. So I think that Yeah, we need to rethink that, that this is an investment in our ability to give and care and be, you know, the wonderful people we want to be. Absolutely. Yes, yes. I like to um, say that, like, self-care is not selfish. It's actually our responsibility, right? Yes. Yeah, it's our responsibility to show up. Um, It's so fascinating. Um, How does exercise help? We both talked about, right, how exercise helps with anxiety. How does it, how does it help with anxiety? What's, what's happening there? 
Yeah. So there, when we exercise, there's a, a resiliency factor that's released in the brain called neuropeptide Y. And this resiliency factor helps to calm our fear center called the amygdala. It's the brain region that's like hypervigilant, constantly scanning the environment for threats, but also can be triggered by our thinking, you know, and worries. Um, and so this neuropeptide Y can be released by light to moderate activity. So which means you could be going for a brisk walk and that would be enough to increase neuropeptide Y. One thing that's really interesting is that neuropeptide Y seems to protect the brain from trauma. So when we look at people who have gone to war, for example, some of them will return with post-traumatic stress disorder, but some won't. And the ones who are protected are the ones who have higher levels of neuropeptide Y. And so we can build more of that resiliency factor with exercise, which I think is amazing. And then we don't need to exercise vigorously for that. We can just exercise at light to moderate. Now, like most people with anxiety, um, they... They have this anxiety sensitivity. And what does that mean? Well, it means like a fear of fear itself. So once you start mm. sort of noticing those symptoms of anxiety, like heart racing, difficulty breathing, difficulty thinking, sometimes those can be like, oh my God, though they can make you even more anxious, right? Mm. And so you could see how this can feed itself as a vicious cycle to leading to like escalation and panic attack, right? Mm -hmm. And so for individuals who are prone to this, most of them don't like exercising. Most of them will avoid vigorous exercising, um, you know, like the plague. But the vigorous exercise, just even like little tidbits of it, is what they need to help regulate that response to the, the anxiety. So it's, it works like kind of like exposure therapy. Wow. So mm -hmm. they're afraid of those symptoms. So let's just second, you know, do, do your wellness walk for like 10 minutes and then a burst at the end, just 10 seconds or as long as you can go as fast as you can go and feel your heart race, mm -hmm. feel it difficult to breathe. And then notice it come back to baseline, notice mm -hmm. it come back and realize you're safe, you know, and then do that again and realize you're safe. And so in this safe space of exercise, we can learn that those symptoms are not as scary as we previously thought, and then they have less power over us. So it, it's, it's an interesting way. I, I have it in the book. It's called the fear buster workout. And uh, it's, it's designed to take advantage of this, like build up neuropeptide Y with the wellness walk and then a burst at the end to get that exposure to the symptoms that may be causing us more anxiety. Uh, so, wow, yeah. that's fascinating. Ooh. I mean, that makes so much sense, right? Like you, you just, you know, from a mindfulness perspective, like you're like feeling the feelings in your body. And, you know, and then this also goes back to what Lisa Feldman Barrett teaches, right? About like that we have sensations and then, you know, there's like a continuum, right? There where we have sensations where we have like, um, you know, more energized kind of sensations and calmer sensations. And then we have positive affect and we have negative affect and you could kind of grid that all out. And when we 
what you're saying is like, like if we have anxiety sensitivity, like it's that those sensations trigger that fear in us. We don't have any positive affect kind of associated with that, but the exercise is a way to kind of feel it and know you're safe, right? Like you just said, and have that, like, understand that this is a sensation in my body. This isn't just nothing to be afraid of. It's just a sensation in my body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's reframing. And then you shift your quadrant. So you're, you're activated, but it's no longer negative in Mm -hmm. affect. It's positive in affect. And so it's, it's still the same activation, but, um, now you're, you're, you're seeing it in a, a more positive light. So it's like reframing the stress response. And this has been shown to be extremely powerful at impacting the the effect that stress has on us like stress in and of itself is not bad like it it alerts us it gets us ready activated to help us deal with the situation at hand the problem is how we how we view that stress a lot of the time when we see it as negative or having an overly negative impact on our health research shows that that's when it's most damaging to our health is when we have that negative connotation or negative perception on it. So it's not stress that's good or bad. It's our, you know, our thinking that makes it that way. Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcast right after this break. We are supported by KiwiCo. School may be out, but summer break is a great opportunity for families to learn and explore together. KiwiCo delivers monthly crates full of science and art projects perfect for kids of all ages who want to keep their imaginations active all summer long and away from computers and phone screens. I love KiwiCo because you can build stomp rockets and kites and explore fascinating science of trees or engineer your own coin eating robot. It's like a new, it's a new adventure every single month in science and art, engineering. It's amazing. One of the projects my daughters worked on was the spin art project. She had so much fun putting it together. She got to see how the mechanics of the spin art worked. She loved it, loved making so many spin art creations all over the fridge and just absorbed her, her mind, her, you know, her creativity, her imagination, seeing how things work. I loved it. Do your part to encourage your children to be innovators and creative thinkers. They really won't believe what they can build and accomplish with KiwiCo. You give them the tools to learn new skills, build new experiences, and make new connections to the broader world. And I know it's hard. It's hard for us to keep our kids busy and challenged during the summer, but then KiwiCo makes it so easy. They do the legwork for you so you can spend quality time tackling projects together. And there really is something for kids of all ages from zero to 99. It's amazing what you can do. And there's no long-term commitment, so you can pause or cancel any time. Make summer a new learning adventure every month with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with the code HUNTER at KiwiCo.com. That's 50% off your first month. It's a great deal at K-I-W-I-C-O.com promo code hunter. That's fascinating. And yeah. And that, that negative association leads to other negative, you know, it's kind of like we're in that sort of negative affect zone and can lead to other things. Like my kid is trying to 
is doing this behavior to get me or, or to get yeah. back at me or whatever. Like we're, we're starting, like we're feeding into our kind of innate negativity bias. Mm-hmm. Like, cause we know that when we have more stress, we yell more and we're more reactive, yeah. but like, it's a probably like means, you know, it's like more of that negative associated stress rather than the positive associated stress of like that physical stress of like running super fast down the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and this is playing into the anxiety piece, right? So when, when stress is high and it's negative, that amygdala, the fear center is on and it's active. And so we're not, we're no longer responding to the situation at hand. We're responding to our own vulnerability. So that's what happens. And then we're not our best self. You know, we're angry, we're defensive, we're negative. We, we're viewing everything through this lens of vulnerability. And that's when, it, that's when it really becomes destructive. And so we can get ahead of that. We can kind of start to, you know, to heal that and to, to manage our reaction to stress um, using exercise because exercise is it is technically a stressor and so it it does activate the stress system but like i said in this safe space that we control we control how long we go we control how high it goes you know it's 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 really is a way to like essentially like tone the stress system like you're flexing your stress muscle and then that stress muscle grows stronger so that you can tolerate heavier heavier stress loads without being so reactive and then you're quicker to recover less less feelings of vulnerability and like you know the ugliness of stress that it all it brings out in us you know we can we can stay kind of calm and more mindful this is so fascinating i'm gonna have to share this with my husband we uh he he's started like lifting weights and things like that because mm. i i started like doing weightlifting i'm like really into body pump <laughs> i love weightlifting I this love is like my favorite pump. thing right like now. clean and press <laughs> like i'm doing all these like badass like weightlifting right? moves which i think are super fun anyway but he's gotten into it he likes this guy and you do funk roberts which i think is hilarious but he's doing this weightlifting and he's cool it's cool like he's feeling mm-hmm. better he's like all this stuff but sometimes he has challenges with anxiety and one of the things he really avoids is um intense cardiovascular anything that feels intense cardiovascularly like um where he goes like he walks every day all the time and i'm like honey well you know what about and and he's starting to learn some benefits of like like kind of pushing to your edge cardiovascularly at least like maybe once a week or something but this sounds like that would help that like what you're talking about that reframing of the stress response a hundred percent. And if he can even just add in a few sprints, mm. even at the end of his walk, this is going to expose him to the, cause he probably, it sounds like he might have anxiety sensitivity where it's mm, like, exactly. uh, mm-hmm. that, yeah. if he, you know, that it's maybe he's able to manage the symptoms until he feels them. And then it kind of can, mm. uh, get to him a bit more. So yeah, the, uh, the uh, quick bursts, it doesn't have to be like a full out vigorous run. It can be just like, you know, feeling your heart up and down and the resistance training will help with that too. Right. Cause when you're like, it's, it, and it's short, right. You'll do a set. And by the end, your heart rate is elevated and you feel it, but you just drop the weights and it's done. 
Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I bet as he does this more and more, he's going to be able to transition that into the cardiovascular fitness because now he's he knows, I mean, oh, yeah. okay, my heart rate can be up and I'm still okay. It's not scary. Right? Oh my God, this is so fascinating. Yeah. I'm going to have to like <laughs> play in this interview. This is so cool. Um, there's also, you have some research, you talk about uh, the research on um, exercising cravings and addiction. So mm. tell me about that. What's going on there? Yeah. So um, I talked about dopamine as this stimulator, the neurochemical that stimulates the reward system. And dopamine is the brain needs a certain amount of dopamine and it's, it's like a currency for the brain. It's a reward currency where, you know, the naturally rewarding things we need for survival are rewarded and, and reinforced through the system. So like thinking food, sex, you know, and exercise, they're all rewarded through the dopamine system, but so are drugs of abuse. And the, but they, they essentially hijack it and they create, um, dopamine levels to supernatural levels that the brain was never designed to deal with. And so what ends up happening is that there's too much dopamine and this disrupts the brain's balance and it goes in, it essentially locks down the reward system. So um, the dopamine's there, but it can't bind to its receptor. So it can't stimulate this feelings of pleasure. Um, This leads to tolerance with drugs, but it also leads to a lack of enjoyment for the simpler things in life like food and sex and exercise. And so when when someone is trying to maybe stop drinking or stop drugs, what happens is that sobriety starts slowly, the reward system starts to open up again. And this is such a a healing power, a self-healing power of the brain. But exercise can speed that up. So it does take a long time. It will heal, uh, but it, ta- it can take a long time. And exercise helps to heal that, speed that healing process by repopulating the dopamine receptors, increasing dopamine naturally to sort of the natural levels, but also making everything a little bit more sensitive, you know, so it's like opening it up faster. It's just, it's really powerful. And uh, in the book, I talk about how it, it, it should be a mandatory part of all treatment programs, like a structured, um, supervised exercise program. And when we do it with friends and do it with like a, a social group, one thing that's really beneficial there is like for a lot of people struggling with like addictions, um, they often have friends who feed into that addiction, right? Um, and when you stop, like let's say you stop drinking or you stop mm-hmm. using the drug, it's almost like it's difficult to be friends with the same friends and you have to create a whole new social circle. So the exercise friends that you make from like a run club or a a weightlifting club, or, you know, though they can also provide you with the social support that you're maybe missing from your, your life. So yeah, it's, it's really a, a powerful and really beautiful way that exercise helps to heal the mind. Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcasts right after this break. We are supported by Chime. No one wants to wait on your paycheck. You just don't, especially if you've got bills due. Good thing there's Chime. Now you can get your paycheck up to two days early with direct deposit. Sweet. That's up to two more days to pay bills 
save and generally just feel good about your money situation. But Chime is more than just about getting paid early. It's also an award-winning mobile app, checking account, debit card, and optional savings account. So what are you waiting for? Hopefully not your paycheck. Get started with Chime today. Applying for a free account takes less than two minutes. Get started at chime.com slash hunter. That's chime.com slash hunter. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bank Corp Bank or Stride Bank NA members FDIC. Early access to direct deposit funds depends on payer. It's so interesting. Like as you talk about sort of that social piece, you know, I think about parents, right? And a lot of parents who, you know, one of the big, big problems right now is isolation. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially since the pandemic, but it has been for a long time because of just our nuclear family and the way we live. And we're, uh, you know, oftentimes there's like one person, I mean, probably you live this, right? You like, you were a single parent. You said one person home with a, a child, maybe that, you know, and you have to work and, and, it, and so that piece about like kind of, uh, finding a running club or a walking club or, or whatever it is to, to exercise and get that social interaction at the same time is brilliant. I mean, for me at the start of the new year, I was like freaking out because I was too isolated from the pandemic and the high numbers that were happening here in the U.S. of the COVID-19. And so I like made, I found a running partner, you know, so I could go running and like at least make sure I see this, you know, a couple in, you know, maybe a couple times a week, like be with another person that Mm -hmm. I can just like, you know, so, um, I mean, there's so many benefits in that way. And also that person, like having someone else to exercise with just makes you go further and longer. Oh, yeah. all of it's, and it's so much more fun too, right? Yeah, so much more fun. <laughs> it can be a lot more fun. Yeah. 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 The social benefit of exercise is just, it's such a, it's such a powerful thing, especially when we think about like lacking motivation and this, this sort of lack of motivation and this malaise can come from like symptoms of depression, even like mild symptoms of depression. And even though exercise is super beneficial for boosting our mood, that depression can kind of act as a barrier in and of itself to prevent us from going. But this this social piece, this like accountability partner, this exercise buddy actually really, really does help um, help keep us uh, motivated and exercising. Okay, so let's talk about sleep because mm. I used to have trouble sleeping. And man, after, you know, since like, like, since I ran in my life, you know, like I've just never have trouble. As long as I know that if I can get like a good workout that day, I sleep well, you know, and I keep, you know, I don't have caffeine after 11, but anyway, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm with you here (laughs) exercise and sleep. This is Mm -hmm. pretty, pretty strong, huge evidence for the benefits there. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So exercise does some pretty awesome things to help promote sleep. So the first is it breaks down this cellular energy called ATP to produce adenosine. And adenosine, as it builds, it's a natural sleep aid. So when it gets so high, we just sleep. Like it's just like natural sleep aid. And it also, we can use exercise if we use it consistently, we can use it to sort of reset our biological clock. Because sometimes this can get out of whack, right? Especially if like, 
you're up late one night and you then you have to get up early with the kids, for example. Like it, it may be like your your time zone shifting, but you're actually just at home and it's just the schedule shifting, right? Um, and we can use exercise to help realign that our brain time with the real time um, by either exercising at the same time every day or if you if you need to shift it. So if you're if you're finding you're going to bed too early, you can exercise in the evening. If you're needing to wake up earlier, you can, you know, exercise in the morning or afternoon and this will help reshift your circadian rhythm. Pretty awesome. So that's fascinating. Okay, so we if we there's like a kind of what I'm hearing you say is there's a an after effect of the exercise, right? Where you're 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 you've up-leveled your energy. And then there's kind of like an afterglow, whereas like, if you want to be going to sleep at 10 o'clock, you should not be exercising at seven o'clock, right? Like you want to, that's going to keep you up later. Actually, no, that that's kind of a myth. Yeah. So, (laughs) um, yeah. So exercising, well, you know, it'll help shift the clock a little bit later, Mm -hmm. but it won't keep you awake. So if if seven o'clock is your only time that you can exercise, do it because it won't, it will likely not interfere with your sleep unless it's so vigorous that your heart is elevated just before you go to bed. So, and, and this, I mean, this can happen with anxiety too, for having like anxious thoughts that like cause our heart rate to elevate. That's one of the reasons why it's hard for us to fall asleep at night. And the same goes with exercise. So if we're vigorously exercising to the point that our heart's elevated while we're trying to go to bed, it'll take us longer to fall asleep. So yeah, so it actually, it's okay to exercise in the evening if that's when you can fit it in. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, I don't want it to disrupt my sleep, but it won't. It'll just... Um, it'll help promote deeper sleep at night and it may, it may shift it slightly, but it will help you, uh, sleep deeper at night. It won't disrupt it. This is so cool. All right. So minimum viable dose, right? Let's talk about what that is here. So the, dear listener, you might be here saying I've been having, I haven't been, maybe I've been just like going for a walk once in a while. I haven't really been exercising. I want to. What's a minimum viable dose, Jennifer? Okay. Every 30 minutes, stand up for two-minute movement break. Hmm. This is enough to increase focus, creativity, to help restore blood flow to that prefrontal cortex that we need to be productive at work. Yeah. So if if you haven't been moving much, start there. And then just... Five minute, a five minute movement break we've shown helps reduce mind wandering. So, you know, sometimes you're like trying to focus on a meeting and you're like, what's for lunch? What's for dinner? You know, like, mm-hmm. or what, when's that next vacation? So w- five minutes of, of this can be like jumping jacks, high knees, but it doesn't have to be vigorous. It could also be just stretching. Um, and this helps to helps us to stay focused A 10-minute self-paced walk has been shown to boost creativity. Hmm. Um, Three 30-minute brisk walks, like in a week, that's not that much time. We've shown in my lab reduces anxiety. That's also the the typical prescription tested for reducing depression. Hmm. And in some people, that works better than antidepressant drugs. 
amazing. Um, Just three 30 minute walks mm-hmm. a week. That's it. Yeah. We're not amazing. talking about a lot. Yeah, it is amazing. And people, so it, it turns out like we have these physical activity guidelines for physical health, but for, for mental health, it's much less than that. And, hmm. and I think part of the reason is because we get the brain health benefits immediately after every single workout we do. And that workout can be five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes. doesn't have to be vigorous. Um, to get the benefits. Okay. But I know a thing about you, which is that you have done some 70 point you you've competed in two Ironman competitions. <laughs> so are there now? Okay. Like I have a perception of an Ironman competition that <laughs> is sounds like is just exhausting know, in my brain, but, uh, <laughs> but, but that is, maybe you could tell us exactly how much like of a lot of exercise that is, but are there, is, are there more benefits to that much exercise that you get? Or like, is there a place where there it's, it's too much stress on the body? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, just yeah. first, cause I know your person, you know, that you've done these. So tell me about it. Okay. Yeah. So, well, I'll, I'll preface this by saying, I mean, so my marriage had broken down. This is back in 2017. And I had never done triathlon before. And I was just going to try a try, <laughs> you know, like this is like the entry level triathlon, the whole thing you're, you know, said and done in 90 minutes. And it involves a oh. swim, a bike and a run. So try a try. That seems like easy. Okay. Or doable, doable. Let's yeah, say doable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could train for that and probably achieve it. And so that was, that's where I started. And I, I amazed myself by winning the silver medal in my age group, which was like, wow, mind blown. Cause I had never won anything for a sporting (laughs) event prior to that. But then it, it was like, it gave me a lot of confidence that I needed to leave that unhealthy marriage and start the next chapter of my life. And I just that that dedication to that sport became really kind of a really important bridge into my new life and so mm. so i started with the try a try it built it built up you know longer and longer races and then at some point i was like hey this would be a cool personal story to add to my book so i'll talk about the research but track the the progress of this sport the effects it's having on my own brain throughout the course of the book. So it was supposed to, the book was supposed to end with my like heroic completion of the full (laughs) Ironman, (laughs) which is like the, the biggest of the races of all the triathlon. What is it? Let's, Tell uh, I know it in kilometers. I don't know okay. if um, I'll have to do like oh, it's uh, <laughs> three, 3.8 kilometer swim. Chairs to miles. <laughs> <laughs> you got the converter up. <laughs> I need a converter. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. Um, okay. 3.8 kilometer. kilometer swim. That's uh, 2.3 miles swim, 2.4 miles swim, everyone. Outside in like a lake. (laughs) And then we've got everyone in all the different areas of the world covered. We'll understand this. Okay, go ahead. 180 kilometer bike ride. Oh God, that sounds like a lot. It was a lot. That's 111 miles or 112 mile bike ride. 
Holy schmoly. And then, not done yet, a full marathon. Oh, so that's like 24.6 miles, <laughs> I know. <laughs> right, I think so. I think it's 24.6. Oh, my converter does not do miles. I think in kilometers is 42.2 kilometers. So anyway, it it the whole thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, I was supposed yep. to do a, an official race, but that got canceled because of the pandemic. So my race was supposed to be August 2020, but it got canceled. And so how was I going to end this book? You know, I'd almost written the whole thing. I had this whole journey. In. And so I planned my own Ironman, my own solo Ironman. And I did all of this on my own well, with the support of my wonderful family and friends. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, and it took the whole thing took me 13 hours and 10 minutes to do. But yeah, I will tell you, I mean, aside from making it a, a really cool dramatic ending to my book, yeah. Was it healthy for my body or mind? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I don't think mm -hmm. I would recommend that because it was too much. But most people are not doing that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's wonderful. like the really, and will I do it again? Probably not. It didn't make <laughs> me feel that good. And so that gets back to like the, the simple prescription of 30 minutes, three times a week. Like that's mm -hmm. where, that's where like a lot of the benefit can be gained. And so you don't have to be doing these intensive races. Like, I mean, there is something like those types of races are amazing because they can show you they push you outside your comfort zone like way outside your comfort zone and really teach you about resiliency and what you're capable of mm -hmm. so and so I think the mental benefits are much stronger because now I feel like oh yeah, I can do anything you know I honestly I like have this like confidence and assuredness that I never had before mm -hmm. um but in terms of health and sustainability of that type of training, it, it wasn't, it's not for me. It's as a single mom who works full time, <laughs> um, there was a lot of, a lot of sacrifices had to be made and, and it wasn't, you know, it did disrupt my sleep on those really long runs. And, and so, you know, I think that can show you, you know, there, there is a point of too much, but, and that's, that's also like stress. You know, there is a point where there's mm -hmm. too much stress and we reach a breaking point. But before that, it can still be healthy and challenge mm -hmm. us and cause us to adapt and grow into the stronger version of ourselves that, you know, that we're seeking. I, I would agree completely. I'm, you know, I, I've been running now since I was like 16 and I'm 44. And I run two or three miles. Sometimes I'm run, you know, like four times a week or something yeah. or three times a week. And for me, that piece about exercise every day, like I, I practice, I meditate almost every day and I do some exercise every day. And like, I need all of those things, you know, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> First know, thing I do when I wake up, I, I do my meditation. I do my, and it can even just be five minutes. You know, it's, it's almost yeah. like the same thing with mindfulness. You know, it's like mm -hmm. use and, and they say this, right? Like five, get it in five minutes, 10 minutes, 15, whatever mm -hmm. time you have, do that and then try to do it throughout the day. Mm 
Mm -hmm. right? You know, whether you're washing the dishes or whether you're walking to your car, you can have these moments of mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And it's almost is the same way you need to think about movement, right? Like whatever you can do today will be good enough, but you need to move. And like maybe instead of parking right by the door, you park at the back of the parking lot and you take that movement to walk in, you know, and just sort of sprinkling it in throughout the day. Um, if that's all you can do that day, you know, it's, it's yeah. just, it's like a different yeah. way of thinking about it. I agree. And, it, and I just want to like, kind of point out to the listener, like, you know, sometimes we have this idea in our culture that we should just be able to like sit around, like do our job, drive everywhere, watch TV. And we're going to just feel hunky dory after all of that. Like somehow, like we think that, but it actually like our bodies evolve to move and like, it takes some, and our bodies also evolve to have a negativity bias, you know, like, so it, it takes some, and to be reactive, right? We have this nervous system. So it takes some effort. We're not just going to feel like grounded and peaceful and content in our bodies and energized without putting some of these, these practices in place, including movement mm -hmm. and mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There, there's this really fascinating study that's, that shows that the brain, although it's sort of, it's energy conservative, it actually expects that you're moving at least a moderate amount. Mm -hmm. And it sets your hunger dial to be as if you're moving a moderate amount, which is why it's so difficult to maintain our weight when we're not moving. Mm -hmm. For example, like even just, you know, a lot of people think about that, you know, it makes it more difficult. And that's just, I see that, you know, weight maintenance as like a, an added bonus to the mental health piece of movement, but, um, just to, well, yeah, just I mean, to put it in perspective that the brain's expecting you to move that much so much that it, 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 it does the hunger dial to moderate. It doesn't have a low hunger dial setting. It has a moderate level. That's as low as it goes. Well, that makes sense, right? Like, and sometimes like, it's crazy the way we think of ourselves. Like if we're a dog owner, we know that we have to walk our dog every mm -hmm. day, that a dog is a mammal that needs exercise. Like every day needs to go for a walk. But yet we think like with humans, like we just don't need that. Like that doesn't make any sense, right? Um, uh, yeah. And I, and maybe it comes back to the self-care piece, right? Like we love our dog. Our dog needs us. Our dog needs to walk, you know, and it's caring for somebody else rather than caring, putting that self-care back yeah, to ourselves. Yeah. yeah. So nefarious mm -hmm. martyr mm. piece, right? <laughs> that selflessness is the best thing ever, right? It's no, wrong. No, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Who came up with that anyway? <laughs> some, uh, someone, some men, I think, in a patriarchal some old man. culture decided some that old like, man. women should be very selfless. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, this is fascinating, Jennifer. This is so um so helpful. I think I'm so glad you're like my first like exercise person to come Yay. onto my blog. <laughs> like 300 plus episodes. It's so funny. Um, yeah, I, I really appreciate your approach because you're just, you know, it's, there's, it's, it's about all of our life, right? It's mm -hmm. not about just like how we look, it's, you know, how we feel, how we think, how we are going to age, how our, 
you know, it's, it's vital to everything. Like we are beings that evolve to move. We got to do it. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for writing your book, move the body, heal the mind. You can find it anywhere books are sold. And where can you find out more about where can the listener find out more about what you're doing? Yeah. So I have a website, Jennifer Heiss, H E I S Z or Z. <laughs> depending on the part of the world you're in, uh, .com. So jenniferheist.com, that's my name. And uh, you'll find links to some of the Ironman videos there. You'll see my family and friends cheering me on in the solo Ironman. And, and it links also to my lab uh, website where you can learn about the research that we do that uh, I cover in the book. Jennifer, thank you so much for sharing your time, for doing this work, for for adding this, your voice to this conversation. I think it's so, so valuable and I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. This was such an eye-opening episode. It's amazing because right now I'm recording this outro as I am wearing the boot. I'm wearing, I injured my foot doing Scottish country dancing and my toe and I have to wear this boot that's immobilizing my foot and I'm really finding it hard to move. So I'm really jealous of my past self who can go for walks and runs and dance right now. So if you can, maybe you can go and try to enjoy it for me. I hope this episode has given you some inspiration for that. If you love this episode, please do me a favor, share it in your Instagram stories, tag me in it at Mindful Mama Mentor, or even better, share it with your friends. Send a, send a screenshot of this episode to some family members, some friends, and let it inspire them as well. And of course, the best way to support the podcast is to leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. It just takes a few minutes of your time, and it makes such a big difference helping this podcast go out to more people and help change the world a little bit more every time. So I hope this has helped change your world and inspire you. I hope that you're having a fabulous week. If it's summertime for you as it is for me, I hope you are having a relaxing and lovely and all things wonderful summer. And maybe you're, you may be on the opposite side of the planet and may have, be having a winter. So I hope it's nice and cozy for you. I'm so grateful to have your ears. I really appreciate you spending this time with me. I really value your time and I, I appreciate that you choose to spend it here with me and it makes such a big difference. So thank you so much, my friend. I cannot wait to talk to you again next week. So have a wonderful week until then. Namaste. definitely do it it's really helpful it will change your relationship with your kids for the better it will help you communicate better and just I'd say communicate better as a person as a wife as a spouse it's been really a positive influence in our lives so definitely do it I'd say definitely do it it's so worth it the money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you. No matter what age someone's child is, it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I have this 
you can continue in your old habits that aren't working or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting. Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it, who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? Hi, I'm Hunter Clarkfields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You'll be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship, not only with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the waitlist so you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. mindfulparentingcourse.com